Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the Kettlecast, I am joined by my cousin, Taylor Willoughby. We talk about how he got to be a fan of the Atlanta Hawks, how he thinks the rebuild or the current season of the Atlanta Hawks is going, and his thoughts on Trey Young and the other rookies, and his thoughts on what the future of the Atlanta Hawks could be. So without further ado, let's get into it. Before we start, if you just want to introduce yourself and say what your level of the fandom is with the Hawks and kind of when you started watching, and we can go from there. I'm Taylor Willoughby. I grew up in Savannah and then moved to Atlanta when I went to uh, Georgia Tech, kind of caused an Atlanta fandom of sports to explode to much more than it was when I was kind of growing up several hours away, but definitely a general Atlanta sports fan, kind of the Falcons and Hawks being my primary team, which is Mm -hmm. weird since I grew up playing soccer, but I haven't dove into the United (laughs) love yet, but I want to. But I'd say I watch probably 80% of Falcons games each year, and then I try to watch probably at least half the Hawks games when I can. Uh, yeah. And I've been to a couple games for each. Uh, definitely growing more into a Hawks fan as I learned that I like the NBA more than the NFL overall. And I guess that kind of started about four years ago is when I started following consistently. So that's about the, the timeline of my fandom for the Hawks, at least. So you got in right before the 60-win season, and you got to really experience that team. Yeah, I had been to one or two games with you, kind of like off-the-cuff ad hoc games but i didn't really i didn't watch outside of kind of going to those or reading the subreddit primarily just for the memes uh (laughs) but i think that's when i conveniently hopped in at that point it was kind of a kind of a shock realizing halfway through i was like oh we we don't normally win this many games like this is is not we're not normally this good yeah um so that was interesting i think it was interesting hopping in and not having what a lot of people thought of as like a superstar because I I joined and of course like I kind of knew who Millsap and Horford were which I guess you would probably classify as our our superstars in that team like definitely our our best players but I didn't come in learning about the NBA knowing of course like LeBron Kobe like the names that you traditionally hear as a non-devout NBA fan we of course didn't have any of those on the Hawks did any of those players on that team like really make an impact on you or were there who have you been your favorite players in the time that you've been watching I love Kyle Korver I'm so sad <laughs> Kyle Korver is gone uh-huh. uh it upset me to my core part of me was just like hoping that he'll boomerang now that the Cavs want to start losing mm-hmm. and to embrace the tank maybe maybe we'll get him back get some vet presence on this team I love Bazemore I empathize yeah. with Bazemore I connect with Bazemore I'm a goofy man and I enjoy like the base face blowing up in the early years of my uh, watching the Hawks was marvelous and fun to watch. I think my most recent favorite players, I'm I'm on the John Collins train. I'm on uh-huh. the John Collins train hard. I think I'm excited for my first Hawks jersey to be a John Collins jersey. That's pretty big that he's a second year player and you've already hopped on. Is it just his excitement factor and like dunking everything or just the whole package. He seems like a good guy and um, he's easy to root for on the court. He definitely seems fun. 
he seems like somebody that I would want to like go grab a beer with. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's nice. The highlight reel is marvelous. I love quality dunks. <laughs> I think it's it's almost upsetting that as we I feel like as we migrate to to three point land being the most efficient and best way to put points on the board. I hope we don't lose these super high efficiency dunks because I think most people would agree that a crazy dunk is much more fun to watch than your standard three. I'd agree with that. The dunk is not going to be taken out because it may be the most, depending on who's dunking it, but it could be the only shot that's more efficient than a three-pointer. I would agree with you that John Collins is just, he's been really easy to be a fan of from stepping in last year. And even on that team, that was kind of a a team that was losing and didn't really have a lot of positives last year. He was a bright spot. And for him to get into the rookies game and for us to kind of have some buzz from a rookie that we drafted at number 19 was really exciting just as a Hawks fan in general. Yeah, I think seeing a player that we drafted immediately get attention and of course we're getting this way overboard with the tray situation was interesting for me for like short tenure because like i didn't necessarily see that happening my first couple years of watching intently Uh, i guess like bimbry's turning into his own but it's definitely not on the collins tray level that it is the past two years we hit one or we have a high enough pick where we should adamantly watch this guy consistently right torian was kind of a high pick in that same draft with Bembry. And at that pick, it was really looked at as, oh, he'll be a solid player, but that's not really an exciting pick at number 12. That was even thought of as kind of a reach, whereas Torian is proven to be an extremely solid player, even probably was underrated at the time, and that was a good pick. He was not, certainly not hyped anywhere close to Trey Young or even what John Collins was able to generate last year. Even before that, I think a lot of players that the Hawks have drafted have, first of all, they've been drafting in the teens forever. They don't really get a chance often to draft high, higher where those kind of standout players normally are. And when they've had those picks, they've usually taken or they took Al Horford and then they took, you know, Marvin Williams. And that's without even talking about Sheldon Williams. I mean, Al Horford and Marvin turned out fine, but they're certainly not exciting or sexy picks at all i think the constantly being in the teens is exactly what leads to what i was indicating which is just Mm -hmm. like no superstar plus not having some flashy rookie to talk about was Mm -hmm. probably the circumstance that we put ourselves in by having the longest playoff streak in the east when we hit 10 or 11 of them in a row right but then constantly not making it past like the first or second round until of course when we had our 61 season but yeah, and that 61 season was so much fun, and the window kind of closed immediately after that. And it's just interesting to think about if they had been able to hold together as a team a little longer, how this team would have fared, you know, last year when the Cavs didn't have Kyrie, or if they had just been able to be a solid team and maybe have been shrewd enough to add a Kawhi Leonard to that core of Millsap and Al Horford if he would have been enough to put the Hawks in top over the East, but the Hawks, you know, they had this, like you said, this really amazing streak. They just never got the opportunity to add to that, any sort of superstar player through free agency. And then with those picks, it's just really hard to 
get a rookie like that. Let's stop talking about the past a little bit and get into this current team that we have now. We're about 20 games into this season. What have been your thoughts on how the Hawks have played so far? I like the promise. I'm still excited. I feel like there's a lot of plays that make me pop out of my seat and actually kind of enjoy watching. I think Mm -hmm. that's what's nice about hitting on Collins. And I like to think hitting on Trey the past two years is that during this rebuild, it's still going to be enjoyable to watch, which is nice and definitely, I think, necessary for morale on the team, morale for the fans. I still want to turn on the game, which is nice, which I, I didn't want to do as much last year sometimes, <laughs> yeah. which I am constantly upset by if Trey is a bad game, mm-hmm. immediate Doncic comparison, just shredding the Hawks for the pick. When watching consistently enough, it's I don't I can't tell if his shot will recover, but the passing, the vision is amazing. Yeah. I'm so excited yeah. to have Collins back with Trey's passing. You bring up a really good point with how Trey's passing, it doesn't make his shooting irrelevant or anything like that, but it makes him not having a great night shooting or him going into a shooting slump a little easier for the team to keep him out there because he's still contributing to the offense and putting his players in good possessions for them to score. Actually, early in this season that has frustrated me is we've had players out there when it wasn't John Collins or Dwayne Dedman who I felt like didn't convert on the passes that they got from Trey. As frustrating as his, you know, one for 25, three-point streak was, and sometimes, you know, seeing him just struggle on defense because of his frame, he always makes one or two plays a game that is, oh my God, that's not a normal play in the NBA. And you can really appreciate his vision and what he brings to the NBA floor, even if his three-point shot is not falling. Yeah, I can't tell how much of the rookies play is because they actually don't have it doing Mm -hmm. air quotes around it or because they're rookies yeah i think watching the game the other day oh when was it friday watching kevin herter that man sticks his nose in everything (laughs) but i swear he's just constantly pestering and i love it the defense is quality yeah i swear you would see him get a couple like reach fouls that that a veteran probably wouldn't have gotten like he wasn't going to come away with the ball he got the foul he racked up several fouls by the end of the the end of the half in the second half and he had that foolish foul when we were in bonus on the other end of the court that sent him to the free throw line I mean the game wasn't close but it's these are types of things where I'm like yeah he's a rookie he's gonna Mm -hmm. do this and the other thing Mm -hmm. is you keep hearing about him blowing up him being herder blowing up the practice records for shooting yeah and i he's he wasn't on that night but i'm wondering is it because he's just not at nba game speed so it's not converting like obviously everybody shoots worse in games but it's hard for me to know how much of this is because they're 20 games into their nba career right or because they actually don't have what it takes for some of these parts of the game you bring up a really good point with kevin herter that these rookies are so early into their career. And it has been very encouraging to see all the rookies, Trey, Kevin, and Amari, all get starts. And they've started together at some point this season. And they're getting a lot of playing time, and they're all in the rotation. Spellman has been injured and and missed a a little bit of time, but 
other than that, I mean, Kevin Herter was just in, inserted into the starting lineup for Kent Bazemore. That happened in the last home game against the Charlotte Hornets that the Hawks ended up winning. So it's really refreshing to have our coach, Lloyd Pierce, be willing to put his rookies into the starting lineup. And it could just be as much about necessity and that they're three of the actual rotation level players that the Hawks have, as opposed to just like empowering his rookies. But Coach Budenholzer never started rookies and certainly didn't start them at the beginning of the season. We really got to see him put John Collins in early, but that was with his worst team that he had coached while he was in Atlanta. So to see the new coach's willingness to play these uh, rookies and really give Trey's playing 30 minutes a game, that's super encouraging to me. I'm glad you made me explain my length of fandom because I can ask questions like this, I guess. But this draft class seems so deep. Mm-hmm. There seem to be so many rookies making a splash. And I have no idea if that if we <laughs> hit on the right one, even having a high pick. Was this the wrong year to have a high pick? Did we tank <laughs> for nothing? Could we have gotten some quality value at the, in the middle and then still had a, a quality season last year? Once more games? I, I I don't know what to expect from rookies in terms of how much of an impact they're making on the NBA this early. It seems like it's a lot this year. This year, and it's funny because we're kind of hearing the same things for this upcoming draft class that we heard from the past draft class, but coming into the season last year, a lot of people were down on the draft class, and no one at that time, at the beginning of the NBA season, no one had even heard of Trey Young or had... I mean, he was not thought of as a one-and-done prospect. But the Hawks, they were, with their wins, they were actually supposed to get the fifth overall pick. So it was very lucky for them that they were able to get that third pick. They ultimately traded it, but, um, you know, they had an opportunity, and they did draft Luka Doncic, who looks like he's going to work out and has been playing extremely well for the Mavericks. But they were able to turn around and trade him for Trey Young, who's been extremely good for the Hawks, and get another future pick. This class has been extremely productive, extremely early, which is not normal. It may be because of, you know, small ball and how many possessions are now being played in NBA games, and so the stats are artificially pumped up. But I think you're also seeing a lot of rookies get a lot of time because they really are that good and they are contributing to winning i mean we saw it last year with donovan mitchell on the utah jazz and that was even in the western conference where he was able to kind of step right into the hole that gordon hayward left and he led his team to the second round so i think we're starting to see a little bit of rookies be really able to contribute kind of like how quarterbacks in the NFL are able to come in and play right away where in the past it was, you know, you be the second string behind the starting quarterback for a couple seasons and then come in a little of that is coming into the NBA or it feels very similar to me. It's not been normal, but I wonder if going forward, it will become more normal. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how it develops. I think it, it definitely makes, it's weird because it almost makes tanking to get a pick more worth it concurrently with the league making rules to make it less worth it. Right. But I guess the other fact is the deeper the class, the less of a requirement it is to be at the bottom of the table to find talent. And I think that high end talent is always going to be at the top, but you are seeing, I mean, Omari Spellman was the last pick of the first round and he certainly hasn't been great. He's been a rookie, 
but he's come in and he's been able to hit an NBA three and compete on defense. Kevin Herter, your acknowledgement of his defense, I think is right on. It's been incredible to me how well he plays defense. He's a kid who has said that if he didn't hurt his hand in college, he probably would have stayed at Maryland, but he felt like hurting his hand, he wanted to come into the NBA and to see him. I thought he was a candidate to possibly go down to the G League, play there and get his minutes there. And he's full. He's now starting for the Hawks. So that's been extremely encouraging. So it'll be interesting with two really good picks next year. If the Mavericks pick conveys, you know, we may have two more rookies that are playing a lot of minutes and that can be extremely exciting, which kind of brings me to a question I had what are your thoughts on this timeline? You talked about being, it being a rebuild. What do you feel like is a fair amount of time for the Hawks to, I guess, tank or to to be going through a rebuild? And when would you like to see results? Man, it's hard to say. I feel like as long as it's exciting and entertaining, like it has been, like if we're making plays, if it's fun to watch, it's interesting because I feel like the culture the Hawks have with Bazemore and Collins make me okay with it being longer than I probably would because I have fake, like, obviously they don't feel a connection, but you like, you connect with the team, like the fandom is connected with the team, which I think yeah. is easier. Yeah. I think it's, to me, I'm more concerned about the contracts of players we have. If Torian's contract ends and we're not there yet, is he going to resign? Are we going to lose players like Bazemore that are dedicated to staying in Atlanta if we don't turn it around quick enough for them to feel like it's worth it. That's what normally scares me in this type of situation. And then also your window is so small if it takes a long time and you're later in some of those early contracts. Because if they turn around and the team does well and they feel like they deserve to get paid, then it decreases your ability to do it consistently. We don't necessarily have a situation like, like Steph where one will get injured and they take a cut because... They haven't proven it yet, and then they turn it around and become the best shooter in the league. That's a really good point. And the only player on the Hawks currently I f- that really fits that sort of case it would be DeAndre Bembry, who has been hurt in the last two seasons and hasn't really gotten to show out. And we're kind of seeing his improvement this year. For him to get to the three-point shooting that he's done so far in this season, and we're almost a quarter of the way through the season, so I feel like you can start to take a little bit of away from the season and, and trust that shooting percentage. But he's been injured so much, and now he's really coming on and been probably the Hawks' best defender. His strides on offense have been incredible. Other than that, it's a real interesting dilemma for their team because they want to get these young players and they want to hit on those young picks. But you're 100% right. If they hit on the picks and the players are good, they're going to have to pay them at a certain point. And then that makes hitting on the picks even more important because that's where the young, controllable talent comes from. So there is this, how good do you want your players to be before you're ready? And how flexible can you keep your salary until you are in the prime of that window? The guy that everybody in the league is interested to see what he's going to do next season is Kevin Durant. The Warriors are going through a little bit of a rough patch right now, but if the Warriors go and win another championship, does he feel like he's accomplished all he can accomplish with the Warriors? And does he become a free agent? Is that a player that you'd be like, 
well, we're not quite at that p- part of our timeline yet. We can't even have a pitch for him. Or is it like, you know, you get, can get a, t- a talent like Kevin Durant. Do you go ahead and do it? And I think that's it depends on the timeline that he would agree to. Mm-hmm. Like if he's going to take a two-year deal, almost no. I mean, I say no, but if you told me in a year from now that we just signed Kevin Durant, I'd probably be through the moon. I think it's interesting whether or not Atlanta is a place that attracts quality talent. To me, Atlanta is is a dope location. I love the city of Atlanta, but the fan base frequently gets flack for being kind of hit or miss in terms of showing up to games, things like that. Even though our attendance by the numbers, it's not necessarily in the bottom, of course. And then it seems like NBA scouts and coaches don't seem to undervalue our players as much as the media. You never would have thought that the Hawks had all this talent and everything, but then Horford goes to the Celtics and he's called a superstar. Bud makes Hardaway look incredibly good and it costs a lot and we couldn't keep him because he needed to go somewhere else. The NBA folks that are recruiting folks, their team seem to value our players highly, even though we're not renowned for having tons of talent on the roster consistently, which is weird to me. A lot of NBA players make Atlanta their home in the off season, which makes why we can't attract free agents that much more puzzling and frustrating for fans because it would seem like such a just no brainer for at least somebody to want to come to Atlanta and make it their home and kind of put Atlanta on the map. The new owner and Tony wrestler, and I say new, he's now been owner for almost five years now, but he has made the new beautiful practice facility, which I think is going to, show his level of commitment to the team and show potential free agents. This is a place you can, you can come and get state of the art facilities to practice in. And it's connected to Emory. It's going to be interesting to see how they fare in the future. And of course, a lot hinges on is John Collins, somebody that players want to play with is Trey young, somebody that players want to play with with kind of the players that you really need for a championship team, such as an Andre Iguodala or a Sean Livingston, you got to have a place that the players feel like they want to play and they feel like they're playing with players that they, you know, will have fun with or get along with having Trey have a really good season and have John Collins be playing well and, and have all these guys be recognized, but also be recognized by their peers as someone who's up and coming and, play a style basketball that they potentially want to play with is huge. So it's not just what the Hawks can do, but also what these players and the potential players that are picked with the picks that we have that can kind of draw players here. Finally, do you have any worries or concerns with anything that the Hawks are doing so far? I don't think so. I'm I'm generally optimistic. I feel like we have a lot to be hopeful for. I feel like I I haven't seen a player go from good to superstar uh-huh. really during my NBA watching tenure. Yeah. But to me, I get the only thing I get scared of is I look at some of the teams that let's take the process for us to be in a place that the Sixers are in in two years. We can draw a direct analog almost to John Collins and Trey Young turn into Simmons and Bede. And do we successfully trade for a butler? It's hard to know if the switch will be flipped to something like that. 
And I guess it's not like doing anything wrong. It's just the only thing that I get concerned about when like watching games and hoping for a, a Hawks championship in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's an unfair concern. Uh, we have a GM who's shown that he's willing to make trades. He hasn't had to make a trade for a player of Butler's caliber, unless you consider Mello a player of Butler's caliber. And Mello is certainly never going to stay with the Hawks. But he's he's willing to try to build up assets and build through the draft. And Travis Schlenk came from the Warriors, so he certainly saw how that team was built. Um, and our coach came from, it's funny you talk about the 76ers in their process, Lloyd Pierce came from the 76ers and saw how that team was built. So we have an interesting mix of basketball philosophies, or at least two perspectives on how teams have been built. Of course, we're coming from Coach Budenholzer, who came from the Spurs. So it's an interesting shift. With the players that Schlink has drafted and John Collins and then the three rookies this year, I think you got to at least be comfortable with his analysis of young players and Lloyd Pierce saw how just losing can grate on a team, how even if you're having a losing season, you need to create good habits and how it's important to have strong veterans in the locker room. And I think that's why the Hawks made it a priority to get a Vince Carter and keep a Kent Bazemore so that these young guys who just getting a lot of playing time would know what NBA professionalism is about. I don't think I have too many concerns on the people who are at the positions of power for the Hawks, but seeing if they're able to understand when the window is open and it's time to like go all in and try to get a Butler who's even on a one-year deal like the 76ers did, and if we're able to do that a little quicker than the process took in Philadelphia. Yeah, I previously was concerned about losing Bud. But I think you just kind of gave me some perspective or at least some like hope in that we don't necessarily need Lloyd Pierce to be a better coach than Coach Bud was. Uh huh. He yeah. needs to be better for the spot that we're in right now. Right. And coming from the Sixers versus the Spurs, of course, the background there is drastically different <laughs> yes. in terms of how to build and maintain a culture. <laughs> well, this has been a ton of fun, Taylor. Is there anything you are looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Christmas. That's about it. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on to the pod, and hopefully we'll be able to get you on again, and we'll see if the Hawks have continued to be exciting and you still want to turn them on or if anything has changed. I really appreciate you taking some time to come on to the Kettlecast. Hopefully we'll have you on us soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully next time I'm on, I'm... Uh wearing a blue throwback Collins jersey. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Once again, I would like to thank Taylor for coming on to the Kettlecast. I appreciate everyone who's listened to the Kettlecast so far. If you could subscribe or leave a review on whatever platform that you are listening to this from, you can always reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. I'm happy to answer any of your questions about the Hawks or the NBA in general. So please get those emails in. And I hope everybody has a wonderful holidays.